This podcast includes explicit language and situations. It is intended for adults 18 years of age and older. These thoughts and opinions are not those of any specific group, employer, or individual. Listener discretion is advised. From the Spade and Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign with your hosts, Justin Rudin and Kelly Hanahan. Episode 14, oh my god! Episode 14! It's so exciting. I've had a lot of caffeine today. Not Justin. He's not allowed to have caffeine. Welcome back to the show. We're super excited. We have this super awesome guy for our spotlight interview today, Gabriel Perez from our LA office. We're super psyched to have him. He is brand new to us and also kind of brand new in the industry. And he's so proud to have us be part of his listing team, which is so exciting. And so I think that's what we wanted to settle on and talk about, right, Justin? It's an amazing thing like that guy. I feel like I don't have to have a self-esteem because he has it for us. Like <laughs> I had a conversation with him yesterday just kind of preparing for this interview. And I walked away from that just being like, I really am awesome. This is fantastic. <laughs> like he makes me feel fantastic about myself and so great. Like, I mean, aside from the fact that he's like really good at his job, like really good at his job. Yeah. He just kind of makes people around him like feel wonderful about themselves. It's really cool. But it's such an amazing I can ability. imagine yeah. that is why he's so damn good at what he does because who doesn't want to work for someone like that? So we'll find out, we'll find out more about his story, but just to deep dive a little bit about this idea of building a listing team, like a true listing team where you're including vendors and other people to support your clients and who's doing that and who's not. You've been running this business now for 11 years and you've seen all different kinds of real estate agents. And we, we know there are hobbyists out there who do a couple listings a year, maybe. Um, And then there are others who are just like turning and burning listings and make this a true, incredibly lucrative business and kind of like what their business practices are. And in our experience as a stager, as a vendor, is that we become really proud parts of those folks' businesses. And we we love doing that. But why don't we talk a little bit about like, what have you seen with the people who do make us listing partners with them and see us as a true part of the team? What kind of difference do you see versus other people who kind of like leave it on their clients to find vendors? Yeah. And what the difference is in the client experience? It's interesting because there there are really two ways to go about doing this as a real estate agent. You can either do the work yourself or you can be a concierge. There's really no way around it. So, so doing the work yourself, and I've seen people do this before, you go to the house and the real estate agent is there with a paintbrush in hand. I think Todd Shively talked about this during his podcast. You, he's there like paintbrush in hand, like actually painting walls, cleaning floors. We saw in American Beauty where she goes mm-hmm. to the house and she's vacuuming that. I will sell this house today. I will sell this house today. You know, you can do it that way, but gosh, you're going to earn your commission like 25 cents at a time. You're getting paid 25 cents an right. hour to like clean this person's house. It's a ridiculous job. Whereas the other way to do it is to become a concierge service. And, you know, when we talk about that idea of the concierge at the hotel or at a, at, a, at a condominium or apartment building, it's somebody who essentially is really good at connecting you with other people. And so your client comes to you and they say, oh, I really need to do all this gardening in the backyard. And you say, actually, I've got a person that can help you with that. And, you know, maybe we can get closing out of escrow for that. We can get them paid or I need to clean my house. Well, a construction clean after somebody has moved all their stuff out and you've got like, you know, 35 years 
acres of dead skin cells in a house. My family moved out of our house after living there for 11 years. And we had a teenage boy and two dads. I mean, all male family were just gross, right? So when we moved out, I was like, this house is disgusting. We had a construction cleaning crew come through. Generally, when we had our house cleaned with cleaners and the furniture was in there, it was like 125 bucks for a crew to come through and clean for like yeah. four or five hours. When the construction clean came through, and it's called the construction clean because it's, that's the crew that you hire at the end of a construction build out to come through yeah. and actually like sanitize the entire place. They came through with no furniture in the house and like did a deep clean. It was like $2,500. It's not cheap. And there, there's like 15 people there for like eight hours deep cleaning your house. We came through and I mean, that place was spotless. But like, yeah. you know, knowing those people who are going to get these jobs done, who are going to perform for you, that's where that concierge, where that relationship comes in really handy, especially when it's something like, I have this listing, it's Friday, they want to be on the market by Tuesday. Can you guys come in and do this for me? If I've got a client that I've been working with for years, who's always treated me well, who like, you know, threw me a bottle of wine every once in a while or like, you know, wrote me a handwritten note or is like, you know, my hype man like behind me, like, you know, Justin's the best. They're awesome. Like, you know, Gabriel Perez makes me feel awesome about myself every single day. When I've got a client that is a positive influence in my life and they say, hey, I need your help. I want to be there to help them because I want to continue working with them because I feel good when I work with them. You know, having those people that have those really positive, good relationships with me as a vendor, I want to work with them. The most successful agents that I find are the ones that see their vendors not as the help quote unquote, but as part of their team, like as an equal on their team, I'm I'm working to get you work, you're working to help me get me work, we are all working together so we can be successful as a team together. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean you can only have one home stager or one cleaning person or right. you know, one inspector, you can have different people working for you, you can have good relationships with lots of different people. But as important as it is to have relationships with your clients, that's where the work comes in. It's also important to have relationships with your vendors. That's how you keep the work. Because if right. you have some vendor and you tell your client like, oh yeah, Joe Schmo is going to be here on Tuesday and they're going to fix your heating and ventilation and air conditioning. They'll be here at three o'clock in the afternoon and Joe Schmo doesn't show up for three hours. They get there at 6 p.m. Now your client is pissed at you because right. your vendor didn't do what you said they were going to do. And so having those vendors that are on time, that they don't change order you to death. Do you know what a change order is? Yeah, when you change things after the fact, right? Yeah, so you have a set scope of work and you say, you know, we're gonna right. do $1,000 worth of work and right. we're gonna clean your ducks. And then right. you come back and you're like, well, actually, I want you to change this register as well. Okay, well, that's a change order. I'm gonna charge you more money for that. Change orders tend to make people really upset because it gets more expensive. And once you have a set price, you've kind of come to be accustomed to that. And so I used to be a general contractor. Um, our company was very anti-change order. So we would do things like we would say, okay, well, it's gonna be a $100,000 job, but we're gonna throw a $10,000 contingency on top of that, that just in case anything goes wrong. So we're, our bill is $110,000. And if you don't use that 10,000, we'll just get it back. But I want you to think about this idea that your budget is 110. So that when something went wrong, I don't have to go to them and be like, oh gosh, we got this can of worms and we got to fix it. I could just be like, I'm using contingency to fix this and you're going to be fine. It made it much more smooth because change orders stress people out. I can count on like one hand how many times we've had change orders in our, in our projects mm -hmm. um, because we keep those things. We make sure that they're just, they are covered. They're right. done. They're taken care of. And we show up on time and we finish on time. And that's how it should be. That's how you get work over and over and over again. And when, you know, your client 
list their house and they go to their friend and they say, oh yeah, you know, Jill listed my house and it was really easy. All I had to do was move out and everything got done for me and we ended up getting $25,000 over asking. That is a great story. If the story is instead, yeah, Jill listed my house, but you know, none of the vendors showed up on time and it was a huge pain in the butt and I got change ordered to death and her vendors were rude to me. If that's the story that they're telling about you, your vendors are a reflection of your reputation. And so yes. having good strength, good, clean, strong vendors is hugely important. These are things I hope listeners are appreciating as these are the standards you should have and the criteria in which you vet vendors so that you will always be exposing your clients to a service that you can personally vouch for. And I think that's probably really, really important because sometimes being part of a, an agent team means we are the servant of two masters at times. I mean, we have our morning meetings every day and we end up talking about, well, you know, the, the homeowner wanted one thing, the agent wanted another. And like, you know, we're, we're constantly juggling these things. And I think that most times our agents who make us part of their listing team understand that we are very conscientious and thoughtful in those situations and continue and know and know that those things come up but continue to trust us and to make the best choice. I think that's really important too because it's just that's just inevitable part of being a part of a team anywhere. <laughs> but like all these people who are trying to do the same thing and and with us, we are aware of this and we actually have an entire pricing option called Guaranteed that really does put us on the same team as everyone else. Our end goal is to sell the house. Right, because none of us get paid unless it sells. A more traditional staging model is the stager makes more money the longer it sits and that's just not what we want to do. Regardless of our pricing option, we want you to sell your home. That's why we're here. It's why we provide the service. But I think that we gain and earn a lot of trust with the agents who choose to advocate for us as there as a um, staging option is because of how we manage client interactions and they know they can trust us. And it's interesting, you know, being that idea of like a slaves to two masters where, where we essentially have two bosses where we have the seller right. and then we have the real estate agent, the sellers and the real estate agents, the ones that are the most successful, the ones that sell their money for the that sell their houses for the most money and in the least amount of times are the ones who realize that neither of them nor the real estate agent are the boss. They are not the client. They're not the ones mm -hmm. that we're selling to and mm -hmm. that we are not the boss either. The one person who is the boss is somebody we don't actually even know yet. And that's our buyer. That's the person who's going to buy that house. And every single decision that we make in putting that house together to get it ready for market is what the theoretical buyer wants it to be. Do they want a dirty house? Or do they want a clean house? Do they want an occupied house? Or do they want a vacant house? Do they want a, an empty house? Or do they want a staged house? Do they want a house that has a 25 year old roof on it? Or do they want a house that has a brand new roof on it. How do we make it so that we can snatch the most money out of this by convincing buyer that they want to put money into this? And so all of us essentially are working for the same person. And really, when it comes down to that idea of like the real estate agent and the seller are conflicted with each other, that's just a question of ego. And really, it's not about either one of those people. It's about this. It's about the person who's going to buy this house eventually. And the tough thing about that is that we don't know who they are. We have a general idea of who they are, how much they want to spend, how, you know, if they have kids or not, we can make a general guess on what they're going to be. We're often wrong. Generally, I find that if we are taking that in consideration, we get the best product to put on the shelf. If we want to communicate what our opinion is for how to best find some criteria for these agents to decide who should be on the listing team or say like a menu of services, like you said, like concierge, what kind of factors are we prioritizing here? Show up on time. Show up on time. Don't do change order death. Yeah. Don't Be change order. 
be polite. We are huge on communication. I think that all of our clients feel like they can get a hold of us at all times. I think there's well-demonstrated ROI on our services that they can provide. We've gotten hired a lot of times because other homestitchers have been fired. Mm. I've heard people getting fired. I'm sure we've been fired in the past too. Nobody comes to you and tells you like, I'm firing you and this is the reason why. I've heard really simple things like the design consultant showed up at our house wearing sweatpants and a tank top. Like the person was not dressed in the way to represent my clients. And so, you know, I mean, that's a huge thing. As a homestager, we are all about image. It literally is how does it look? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if you Mm -hmm. can't present yourself as a human being in a way that represents your real estate agent who's referring you for that work, that's a quick, easy way to get fired. And I mean, I think it's the same thing for real estate agents. You guys have a really tough time towing that line between like, am I overdressed? Am I underdressed? I see these discussions about Meshans boards a lot of like, what kind of car do you drive when you're touring? Do you drive, you know, a, a Mercedes Benz or do you drive a Subaru? What what image are you projecting to your client? Do oh, the, your vendors <clears throat> represent your an extension of your brand? An extension of your brand. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and maybe yeah, yeah, your yeah. brand is like Birkenstocks and a tie-dye t-shirt and that's the kind of sure. vendors that you want to bring in. That's great. That's fantastic. Yep. Maybe yep. your brand is a three-piece suit and that's the kind of vendors that you want to bring in. Really paying attention to that and how, how your vendors are branding their company to be underneath your company. You're kind of like a general contractor and your vendors are like your subcontractors and they're all there to represent you. And the way to get them to do that consistently is to treat them with trust and respect and they will do the same for you. Fingers crossed. (laughs) I love it. That's some really great advice for some new folks who want to make more money and provide their services, their clients with their services as well. So I love that. Should we go talk to him? I would love to. We can find out what his uh, opinions are because it seems like he's just knocking this out of the park. Yeah, let's go talk to Mr. Gabriel Cruz Perez. You got to love anybody who's got three names, man. I know. He sounds badass already. Yeah, he's like right up there with Sarah Jessica Parker. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go talk to him. Good. We are so lucky to have Gabriel Perez from Keller Williams. He is a relatively new client of ours, but we've had so much success working together that we really wanted to dive deeper and learn a little bit about his story. First of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, guys. And you're a newer newer real estate agent. And we think that a lot of people really benefit from hearing about the journeys of newer agents. So we really appreciate you being here today with us. Yeah, you know, I'm a little nervous. Spilled coffee on uh, my desk in preparation for this, so very excited. Awesome! You know, just, just, it just gets, gets that energy up. I think yeah. this month we went from having two listeners to three listeners, so there's a lot to be nervous about. It's a big deal, yeah. I've listened to some of your guys' uh, episodes in the past, so um, I'm one of those three listeners, so very proud of that. Yes. Um And uh, I know you guys usually can predict that, you know, most people don't start off in real estate. Like they usually start off doing something else and they kind of happen upon uh, real estate. And that's definitely the case with me. I, I started a CrossFit gym when I was 23 years old. That was kind of like my passion project. And I started off in real estate as a commercial client. No idea anything about real estate. So I just called some signs and I found a commercial agent. He helped me get into a building. Nobody would lease to me. So my dad had to co-sign for me. The real estate agent that I used was kind of my first taste of real estate. Incredible, very warm, gave me a Christmas gift for like no reason. Couldn't figure out why he gave it to me. Um, By the way, his name is Frank Ferguson. He's still a mentor of mine. As soon as we met, he told me, Gabe, the way you carry yourself, your energy, your enthusiasm, you gotta get into real estate. And I looked at him and I said, 
Frank, that sounds so boring to me. I was a client of his for nine years. And one day it was time to move to a bigger building. I signed the lease by myself, which was very scary. I told him, Frank, I can't afford this building. And he said, well, Gabe, we can negotiate. I kind of took a step back and I said, well, that doesn't make sense because the price is this and this is how much money I have, you know, so I'm not a mathematician. And he just looked me in the eyes and he said, well, we can we can offer to take on the dumpster payment. We can offer, we can tell them not to paint the building for us and we can negotiate the price. And I kind of like fireworks went off and he said, everything is negotiable in real estate. And that was like my first little like dopamine hit of like, yeah. oh, this could be fun. How long ago did the transition happen between being like a full-time CrossFitter to being a part-time CrossFitter to being a full-time real estate agent? That's that's a crazy story. It, two years ago in 2018, our five-year lease was up and the landlord said, here are your options, 15 years or 10 years. And I said, how about two? And <laughs> they said, they said, no. I remember I was sitting at the kitchen table with my mom and I just said, you know, I don't know why I don't want to sign these big leases. The Jim's doing great. And she said, well, then just do two years. So I called the landlord and I said, look, I don't know why. Everything's negotiable, want... right? Everything's negotiable. Yeah, everything's yeah. negotiable. <laughs> he said, you're going to pay a little bit more. You know, we'll let you expire your lease in October of 2020. And that is when the pandemic hit. That's when I realized, well, this is kind of like there's enough arrows pointing in the direction here that it's time for me to bow out. This year I decided was going to be my first full time real estate year and my kind of like weaning off of the CrossFit full time. So I would say now my time is, I mean, 95 to 100 percent real estate and like some time doing the fitness world. I bet your landlord is kicking himself right now for going with that two year lease. He's like that 10 year lease. Yeah. Be real good right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. This idea, a lot of real estate agents do this idea where they do a side hustle. They are doing one thing and then they're working in real estate. And a lot of people go through their entire careers doing a side hustle. The couple that I know that have been fitness trainers specifically that then became real estate agents, it seems like it's a really good source for referrals. So how do you finagle that? How do you have that conversation between like, you know that I'm good at like making your biceps big. I could also negotiate. I mean, how do you translate that services? How do you get somebody to trust you? When I started my fitness business, I was 23 years old. So a lot of my clients who've been my clients for more than a decade now, they still viewed me as that young guy that was just like full of energy. I was single at the time. I was just like bouncing off walls. And now they saw me go to grad school. They saw me get my real estate license. And now I'm turning around and I'm saying, hey, so that million dollar home of yours, you know, I can sell that for you. I think that helped me kind of guide how I branded my real estate business because I chose to almost take my face off of my real estate business and simply share stories. I would send an email that said, hey, this client had never purchased a home before. They were immigrants from El Salvador. They're in their 60s. And we used an FHA loan program to help them get a house. Who else do you know that we can help? You know, people care about three things. Do you do you care about me? Are you good at what you do? And can I trust you? Instead of trying to get the immediate business, 
I kind of had to take a step back and say, okay, you know what? I'm not at the point where they trust me yet. I'm just going to keep showing them these stories of how people that have trusted us have had successes. Nobody likes being sold to. Nobody likes being, you know, the, the, the signature in your email that says like, you know, I appreciate your referrals. Like everybody sees that and they're like, Bleh! they throw up in their mouth a little bit. That idea of showing instead of telling. You could go on there and be like, I'm trustworthy. You should trust me. But if you're instead telling that story about how you were trusted, it's such a, a much more effective marketing plan. It's teaching instead of selling. I think that's what Kelly concentrates so much on our business is we don't spend a lot of time tooting our own horn. We spend a lot of time telling stories about people who had good experiences. And I think that's an excellent way to go about it. From your past success as a coach and running a business, running a small business, what are you bringing into your real estate business? I have an amazing support system. So I, I know that my wife is going to, I mean, she'll have questions, but if I came home and I said, we're going to do a car wash business, she would be like, okay, let's, <laughs> let's, okay, let's talk about that. Because she knows that as soon as I decide that I'm going to do something that it's just burn your boats, you know, I'm just, I'm very confident in my abilities. I, I know that I have the energy and I can, I can communicate with people really well. So I'm with KW uh, Arcadia. And Ken Parsons is the broker, amazing guy. Uh, when I sat down and I interviewed with him, I think he asked a very natural question of, so what's the goal? And I said, well, my goal is to be a real estate agent, have a team, get a brokerage and compete with your brokerage. And he oh, kind of like laughed wow. about it. We have Damn, a very good relationship. That's we have honest a and amazing. And <laughs> that's a great interview answer. You know, deep down, I knew that that's what he wanted to hear as well. So, I mean, you just, you know, you, you learn to connect with people. And I think that, through the fitness industry, so much of fitness is honestly like a psychology session. It's like, what's, what are your pain points? What are you struggling with? Okay, well, I was good at this thing, but I want to make a change. But like, what will people think about me switching so drastically from one thing to another? How did you handle that? Was that natural for you? That's a good question. I think it was almost a matter of not that it was less than but hey, guys, look, I started in CrossFit didn't know what I was doing, built it from the ground up. And now it's been so successful. And it's running itself that it would be a disservice not to branch my abilities into another business. And, and you know, a lot of times, real estate agents, especially they, they really make it about themselves. It's like they plaster their face like on a billboard. And you know, it's like you're doing business with that person only. But if you're able to brand yourself like as an idea or like as a philosophy or like as a as like a, an experience then people almost I think can get excited like man the same person that's behind this CrossFit facility is now behind the Perez real estate team like I kind of want to see what they're doing over there now I think a lot of real estate agents when they're first getting in they feel like well I took the class I took the test and I passed and therefore now I'm a real estate agent and what mm -hmm. a lot of people say but they don't understand is that there's an incredible low threshold of entry um, in this mm -hmm. business like basically do you have a pulse you're in um, <laughs> and then there's an incredibly high threshold of success and that's the thing that separates the entry from the success is that human ability to be able to relate and connect with people and so many agents we see them using photographs of themselves that 
they feel this was when I was at my most attractive or it's a photoshopped version of them <laughs> or it's, you know, they have on like, you know, six layers of extensions. And then you meet that person in real life and it's a disappointment. And you're like, this is not what you look like in that picture at all. And you're starting off that, that line of communication with a lie. And mm -hmm. I noticed in going to your website when looking around the, on this Zoom call is the first time I'm actually seeing your face because I, I scoured your website. I did not find a picture of you on there. Um, <laughs> but I think that, that it's really important to communicate communicate to our, our people out there that the reason why we don't like virtual staging, the reason why we don't use old photographs of ourselves is because we're starting off with a disappointment. When you see a house that's virtually staged and they've redone the yard and painted the house and put in furniture and did all these things, and you're like, this is so excited about this house, and then you walk into it for the first time in real life to see it, and you're like, wah, wah, wah. Like, <laughs> really, you want to start off that relationship with disappointment? This seems so, it's like such a bad idea. And so I think what you're doing is great. You're setting the expectations of like, you're, you're going to find out information about me now. And when we meet in person, that's when you'll see me. Well yeah. done. Beautiful. How has your life changed during COVID? What's your living situation like now versus what it was like before? Loaded question, because <laughs> here it comes, you know, not to be insensitive to what's going on in the world. And, you know, I, I have very close dear friends that are very strongly affected negatively, obviously, by, by COVID. Having said that, 2020 has absolutely been the greatest year of, I'm going to say our lives for my wife and I. We did a lot. So we we were able to close down a fitness studio, keeping some online members and basically cutting out like $15,000 in overhead while keeping a higher net profit. We welcomed our first child into this world hey. in two, yeah, two <laughs> yes. months ago. Uh, two months ago. So that's just been like, obviously, life will never be the same. In June, we actually purchased our first property, which is also a duplex. So we have uh, an investment property that we live in. Um, and it was my first year of kind of full full-time real estate. On the real estate side, I think anybody that's in the real estate industry knows that during times like this, if you have listings, you are sitting pretty. If you have buyers, you're just you're pulling out your hairs trying to get showings and getting out bid and it's just wild. I would say that this year, without a doubt actually, has been our highest producing year. And this was my also my way that I was able to connect with uh, Spade and Archer uh, in terms of staging. Because again, first time, like this is full time. I want my listings to start representing me, taking more pride in my branding. Just so you guys know, the way I found you guys, you guys spoke to my office in Arcadia, I want to say two years ago. I was a newer agent, so I was just like, I was just trying to get people to talk to. So I listened to the staging and, you know, have listening like this doesn't apply to me yet and I remember specifically that what was handed out was a like five by seven info card and glued to that card was a bottle of or I'm sorry a bottle a shooter like a small guy of tequila I remember thinking this is a company that understands how to differentiate themselves you know remember thinking this is the kind of company that I want to affiliate myself with. I mean, now, to be honest, Spade and Archer is now a part. They're built in. It's it's already printed. They are a part of my listing presentation. Not only that, but once I, I like to make it very transactional. So I think a lot of times people don't want to sign the listing because they're not really sure what happens next. And it's not something tangible. So I say to them, you know, OK, well, now it's time. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get your listing consultation scheduled, but let's have you 
go ahead and sign the listing agreement. And then as soon as you sign that, I'm going to get you in contact with my staging consultant and she'll be here in the next, you know, 72 hours. All we have to do is book the appointment. So it's become just a part of my presentation. So it's a part of what I do. And it's just, it's been an amazing game changer for, for my business. I am blushing a little bit. Like I have like a, like a little, a little business flush, like, Oh goodness. I know. And like, obviously we're obsessed with you crushing on us, but I think everything that you just talked about is qualities that we would encourage any agent to have about any vendor that they're bringing onto their listing team. I think that the things that you mentioned are a result of us really listening to our agents over the last 10 years of business. It's just kind of like everything you just said is exactly what every agent should be empowered to do. And so we're trying to speak to those needs with the more innovative things we bring in, like, you know, the instant pricing and whatever. And uh, we love that we are a part of your process. We want to make that as easy as possible. So a lot of that has changed since Kelly came on. When you're when you're an entrepreneur and you start a business, it is very personal to you and you only want to do things the way you want to do things. And a lot of what makes us differentiators is that we are constantly trying. I, I always say, like, if somebody else is doing it, I don't I'm not interested. I only want to do this the way that we're going to do it. And I want to be different than the rest of the field. And that gets to a point where it becomes too much, where we're doing everything so different that nobody can even figure out how to use us. And so when Kelly came in, she was very good at saying, okay, let's figure out what the pain points are for our clients. Let's adjust to those. Let's find out how we can make it easier for them to work, how we can make it easier for them to use us. And so a lot of those things like instant pricing and guaranteed and the tequila pass out, those things have all been part of what Kelly has brought into this business. What is it for you that that fuels your tank? What makes you keep going every day? By nature, I'm a builder. I, I like to build. I like to grow. The smaller the start, the better. You know, I love the idea of building a company, building a team, building a brand that before you know it is bigger than you and it starts to kind of carry its own its own personality i enjoy it i love that part the more complex it becomes the more i'm challenged to create systems to put into place and this and that maybe 2 weeks ago it was a husband and a wife there was a house that sold i don't know how to describe it there's two cul-de-sacs and they share they share the same backyard line but they're on different streets same bedroom count same bathroom count same square footage to the foot and I told my clients, I said, okay, so that house sold for 580. We're going to smash that because they didn't do staging. They didn't prep their house. Their grass isn't green. And I said, this is going to be the best case study ever. Because the thing is with staging, and I've actually always had this, the, the hard time pitching this is it's very difficult to tell a client, you know, when you stage with us, you're going to get 30,000 more dollars, but there's no, there's nothing to compare it to. And I'm type A, that drives me crazy because that's not a very scientific way to do things. You know, long story short, the the wife chose a slightly lower offer, which was okay. We understood there's always reasons. So we actually outperformed the other house by about $40,000. Wow. And stage, staging was like, 3000 at the top, maybe. Right, so right. I, I'm now going to be using that like, hey, there's this isn't guesswork anymore. Like we had an exact case study of a side by side house. And this is how much more money we were able to get for that client. So it was a very cool situation. We give the retail story a lot where you walk into the gap, there's a t shirt that is shown on the mannequin that looks nice and tight and pressed and it looks perfect. And there's this nicely folded right in front of you. And that t shirt is $15. And that same exact t shirt, there's another version of it that's crumpled up in the corner of the dressing room. 
do you want to buy that crumpled up one in the corner of the dressing room or do you want to buy the one that's nicely folded and looks pretty on the mannequin? There is definitely a buyer for the crumpled up, slightly stained version that's in the dressing room. But that's going to be some kind of investor or builder and they're going to say, well, I don't want to pay $15 for this. I want to pay $5.99. Will you take $5.99 for it? People like to buy things that are pretty and it, it's the mm-hmm. same exact house in the same exact area. Nothing is different except for that. It's just pretty. That's it. And it will it will get you forty thousand dollars more out of it. And what do you spend on staging? Five thousand bucks, you know. And so there's a net profit there, thirty five thousand dollars. If you can buy a stock that gives you a thirty five thousand dollar return in thirty days, you should buy it. (laughs) (laughs) So, what other parts about your brand really do you think help you stick out, even so? Um, early in your real estate career. And I, I'll ask you this question. Have you read the book? I, I recommend everybody read this. It's called Building a Story Brand. We tend to think that our brand is the hero. Watch mm-hmm. us, watch what we can do. But if you really look at good stories that have been told, you know, Star Wars, you look at all these things, the hero is usually lost. And there's a guide that shows them what to do so that they can have success. And I think very early on, I told myself, I'm not going to put myself in front of everybody as the hero. I'm going to offer myself as the guide. And every client that I help is now going to be the hero. So every time a client closes escrow, an email goes out to our whole database, you know, client success story, you know, meet the Griswolds. They struggled with this and we help them do this. I believe the Griswolds struggled with everything, just to be clear. Yeah. (laughs) The best thing is my last seller was actually Griswold. (laughs) I love that. That's hilarious. That's amazing. I became obsessed with Toyota. The reason I became obsessed with Toyota is Toyota has this style of doing business. They they use the, the term Kaizen, which is like constant improvement. And what Toyota does is if you have like, let's say you have three different assembly lines and it's going well, you still look for the slowest assembly line and you dive into it and you look at which part of the assembly line is the worst part. You figure out that it's step 13. You take out step 13 and you perfect it and then you put it back and then you step back and watch. And now that assembly line isn't the slowest anymore. Now it's the other one. So you dive into that one. So the way I view my business anyways is I look at the entire client journey. I really obsess over the details. The details to me are so important. We send handwritten notes to every single client we work with, every vendor we use. You know, it's so funny because I just received a handwritten note from Spade and Archer (laughs) that just basically said, um, you know, thank you for doing business. But the funny thing is, I think the same day, a handwritten note was sent out with a $5 Starbucks gift card to my stager that said, and she'll maybe she'll get it by the time this publishes, that'll say, hey, it's been great doing business with you. Have a coffee on me. So it's just, it's those little obsessive uh-huh. details that I think are so important and are so counterintuitive to our current society. We want everything to be automated. Everything needs to be automated in our opinion. But the problem is that you start to lose that personal touch. And I think that ironically enough to bring that back in is the differentiator a lot of times. It never is. We've been in business for 11 years. Yesterday, we created a calculator that allows all of our staff to go through and calculate what all of the taxes, discounts, and durations would be. If somebody comes back and says, well, if I buy four months in advance, how much does that cost? And now we have this little calculator that you can put it in and be like, this is how it's going to cost. And it breaks down the whole mm-hmm. thing for them. And we didn't have that before. And so like, yeah. even after 11 years, we're still finding ways that are like this, we can be a little bit better at this. We can be a little bit better at this. And a lot of that 
does have to do with technology. You know, when we first started off, our website was basically a brochure. And now our website, like you book appointments through it, you do pricing through it, you fill out your contract information through it. Like there's all kinds of tools that are on there. That's been a huge part for us. And honestly, there's one detail on your guys's website that once again, I just really liked super tiny detail. When you type in your name, it says, Ooh, I love that name. <laughs> it's those, it's those little things that in my opinion, go a long way. And here's the thing, if it doesn't resonate with a client, that might not be the client for you, but it resonated with me. And it sounds silly to say it, but little things like that really start to add up. The brand does have like just little tiny touches of humor. It tries to be ridiculously formal. And we try mm-hmm. to add that humor in there just to take our formality down just a touch. Like we can be a goofball mm-hmm. in a tuxedo and that's okay. Tell us about your absolute worst day in real estate. When did it all go wrong? I mean, I'm due for some some heartbreaks more often, but it was my second year in real estate. I, I have known him for, I want to say, 15 years. And wh- as soon as I got into real estate, you're like chasing anything that moves. You're like, I can do that. Oh, I can do that. I can do that. Yep. Um, you don't say no to anything. Can you sell my uh, dog? Yeah, I'll sell your dog. <laughs> <laughs> So my buddy was asking questions, you know, what should, you know, I, I just inherited my, my parents' house. We moved my dad out. Should we sell this? What do you think? Can you look up the tax records? Can you make sure it's vested correctly? So like for a year, I'm just like kind of doing all these things, building trust, you know, thinking that I'm just kind of building that rapport that that is already there. A year goes by and his wife, and him decide, you know what, we we can't really do this anymore. So we either need to list the house or rent it out. Now, being the good real estate agent that I am for him, I say, okay, well, here's the thing, man. Every real estate agent's gonna tell you to sell it, but let me look at the numbers for you because in my opinion, I, I like the investor mindset. If you can borrow against the house and buy something else and rent this out for some cash flow, like that's the way to go. If you can avoid selling, I mean, this is what I tell my friend, not like some cold prospect. I pull all the, the documents together. Um, this is like another few months of us talking back and forth. So it's been about a year and a half. I sit down with them at their kitchen table. I kind of show them everything. And I say, you know, as your friend, I care about you. I want you to make the best decision possible. I think that you should try to rent out the house. And here's what the numbers would look like. Here's what your rents could be, this and that. If you sell it, of course, this I could help you with that. That's what this would look like. You know, maybe had I had the step of a stager, this would have sealed the deal for me, but I didn't have that yet. Um, I leave them with the information and I say, look, this is a big decision. Take your time. Look at these numbers. Let me know what you want to do. I'm going to be going out of town for the weekend with my family. Let's talk on Monday. So he gives me a call. Um, I remember I was driving. Um, so we have decided actually that we're not going to, we're not going to rent it. And I was like, sweet. And he said, we're going to sell it, but we're actually not going to sell it with you. And I laughed. I was like, you're joking. And he said, look, man, I hope this doesn't affect our friendship. Oh. But my <laughs> but, but my wife just feels more comfortable with the more experienced agent. You know, it's nothing personal. We had no intention of interviewing another agent, but but she called somebody and they came over. We signed on the dotted line that day. So many things, you know, a year and a half of, of prospecting, if you want to call it that, you know, a long friendship. We're still friends. You know, we're still friends. I still check in on him. He gets a handwritten note every once in a while. That was the worst day in real estate just because it was like, it was a gut check. Like, okay, this is still a business. You know, these are your friends, but at the end of the day, this is still 
a business and you're going to get disappointed from time to time. I mean, my wife was livid. She was very upset because I'd been talking about this. I know this is going to happen. We're going to sell it. And this is what we're going to do. And and I told her about that. (laughs) She was just like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) I was like, no, I'm not. This is what happened. I know. You know, but the thing is, I had the conversation with my wife and just keeping the big picture mentality. I remember telling her, you know, I think I said this word for word. I'm just not that trusted brand yet. You know, I'm I'm not to the point where I'm at the point where they were able to think of another agent. And I want to get to the point where they can't even think of anybody else. That's my worst day in real estate. That being said, get real. 11 years into it, we still have people that are super duper trusted. We we are tight with them and every once in a while they call me up and they're like, "Hey, I just want you to know we're using another stager." And I'm like, okay, cool. Tell me what happened. And they're like, well, my client has a sister who's a stager. And if they hired you, it would end the relationship between her and her sister. And I'm like, hey, you know what? That's cool. No problem. And I generally find like, you know, that top 10% when they do that, they end up giving me 10 more referrals later on down the road. And so being okay with it, knowing that we can only control what we do, we cannot control what anybody else does. It's a tough thing. We all go through it. And you know what? I trust you and Kelly trusts you. And, you know, tons of people trust you. And just because that one person didn't make that one move doesn't mean you're not trustworthy. You're still a good agent. You're still a good guy. So what was your absolute best day in real estate where you were just like, oh, I'm exactly where I meant to be. This is exactly what I wanted to happen. This is perfect. It's funny because it's almost it's almost like exactly it piggybacks on what what Justin just said, which was that person said they didn't want to end a relationship with somebody else by choosing you. My listing that that uh, we staged with you guys, no, they had already finished staging. We were doing our coming soon campaign, which we make a very big deal about, like you know, put roll out the red carpet, this and that. Well, this was the first time where I saw that our brand had created a like a raging fan. They were on our brand. They were on board with us. She called me. I was actually at a listing appointment from another client that she had actually referred me. Didn't get that listing. Long story short, they got a cash buyer for something else. I was at that listing appointment and she sent me a text and said, you need to get over here right now. And I think, oh my goodness, something happened. The roof caved in. Oh. The house is gone. Somebody stole the house. Your I don't brain even went know. negative. Yeah. You're like, oh God. Yeah. Here I was goes. like, oh no, this is never good from a seller. <laughs> While I'm driving down there, she's like, our neighbors are here and they don't want to list their house with you, but I think we can get them. And the fact that she said, we get them, I think we can get them. I was like, okay. So I got there. It's it's two sisters, uh, and I have this listing as we speak. They're doing repairs right now. They're going to be selling their mother's house. They wanted to come see what this house looked like because they are childhood friends. They all grew up together. So they're walking through the house. I meet them, introduce myself. I kind of step back a bit because the seller for this house, her name is Terry, is like, the best maven advocate connector you can imagine like just phenomenal Mm -hmm. yeah she's my maven so i know that she's in finance so i've actually sent her tons of you know a lot of people that have been interested in finance you know i hadn't gotten a referral back from her yet and it had been about three years in the making i'm listing her house now but in the back of my mind i'm still thinking like maybe she doesn't trust me yet like maybe i'm not maybe my brand isn't there yet well, I sit back and the sisters, they're doing some some deflections. They're like, well, you know, Terry, you know, we have our, our family friend is a real estate agent and there's no way we could not list with her. My seller, brilliant, 
was like, no, 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 I understand. That relationship is so important to you. But can I show you what Gabe suggested we do in this bedroom? And it was this the back and forth where my seller did such a good job of advocating for us, but also being very understanding. And I couldn't have sold myself better. And I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to talk about my brand. I didn't want to do it. I got to watch it happen firsthand. And as they left, they were like, okay, well, you know, thank you for very nice meeting you, Gabriel. Um, the house looks great. And, uh, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll talk to our agent and we'll see what we can do. And I'm like, all right, you know, very nice to meet you. I understand, you know, absolutely. And I would say maybe like two to three weeks later, I'm in Orange County. My in-laws are in town. We're down by the beach. Uh, we're at like, cause Orange County is like open. So we were like at a bar having like lunch and Terry calls me and is like, you need to get back to Covina. They're ready to list with you. And I was like, give me some water, Karina, give me some water. We got to go in a little bit. It was the aha moment. It was when I got to see one of my clients that was, you know, a great referral partner, a great client, but also was, was sold on what I did. And I got to see her advocate for, for me, for the Perez real estate team. And it was amazing. It was the best day. And it wasn't that long ago. It was like a month ago. It was amazing. That's what it's like to be a rapper and have a hype man. Terry was just behind me. She was like, value, (laughs) service. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Gabriel Cruz Perez is uh, the founding agent of the Perez Real Estate Team out of San Gabriel, California at Keller Williams. You can find him at theperezrealestateteam.com. Gabriel, thank you so much for being out here today. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure, guys. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. We'll see you in our next business transaction, which I'm sure will be any minute. Wow, Gabriel's awesome. I love talking to him. That guy is delightful. Zero doubts that that guy's gonna do well. Which is so funny because he would not agree with you. I'm sure that he is constantly questioning everything that he does. Somebody said to me once, they're like, you can always tell the difference between a good parent and a bad parent because a bad parent is seldom questioning and often wrong. And a good parent is always questioning and often right. And that guy is always questioning. He went during my pre-interview with him yesterday. He was, I was talking about his brand. He didn't talk about this during the interview at all, but he said, being a young male, heterosexual male in this business, I don't come across as trustworthy as a 45 year old motherly woman who can come in and like kind of guide you through and tell you, you know, how your house should be and what it should look like. He's like, I just come across like this brash 23 year old CrossFitter and I have to work harder to make sure that I am trustworthy. That's his big thing. And I thought that was so interesting to be like, there are fields where women can have a leg up and middle-aged women can have a leg up. And whereas like there's so many fields where like, the, the middle-aged women are just held back constantly. This is one where like that can be a very big plus for your brand to be have that trustworthy, like motherly quality to you. I obviously love his natural inclination towards understanding the importance of a brand. What we can talk about a little bit here is our experience with building a brand. You've had 11 years of building your brand with Spade and Archer and how much it is a living, breathing thing that we constantly update and change according to who we are, like your own personal maturity in business, Spade and Archer's maturity and growth. I mean, now we're in Portland, Seattle and Los Angeles, which are, I often joke with people, it's like having three different kids and you don't understand like any of them. Like they're all just like, like trying to keep up with (laughs) 
<laughs> the three offices is so funny at times because it's just, you wake up and the market's different in one of them and you're just like, what is going on? It is the bane of my existence <laughs> to get all three of those chugging at the same time. Like <laughs> Seattle was like killing it all year long. And like literally the last two weeks now, Los Angeles and Portland are killing it. And Seattle is dead in the water. And I just, I cannot get all three of them going at the same time. You know, as a home stager, it's really interesting, you know, following market, market trends, changes in the market, like things that affect going up, going down and inventory. All of it is 100% out of our control. And it's just like trying to understand like why Seattle will be through the roof the whole year and then all of a sudden it really quiets. It's just so funny. You talk about this being a living, breathing thing. I would say this is like a Recessa Annie doll. Remember those dolls that you practice CPR on? Yes. It needs to breathe, but you have to breathe for it constantly. Sure, yes. (laughs) And that is why you have a marketing person and that's why we spend so much time doing things because you constantly have to be reacting. It's a, it's a delicate balance of reacting and being proactive as much as possible. And I would say that that's a really big part of your brand. And I heard so much of that from Gabriel that I wanted to talk a little bit about when you're deciding who you are in business and what you want to be communicating to potential clients, the things you choose to share, whether it's a silly Instagram post or what our logo looks like or us putting a podcast out, you know, how he had the strongest memory of our introduction to him was through the tequila bottles. Tequila bottle, yeah. Yeah, that was all, every single step of that is a piece of our brand and how we've just had a really strong alignment to our brand whenever we choose to do anything, whether it's our Thanksgiving cards or anything, um, everything always speaks to our brand. So I think that we also have really valued the process of storytelling. And the thing is, a story isn't a story and it's not compelling unless you're communicating what the mess is. That comes to that vulnerability part, right? Yes. Like that it's hard to talk about when you screw up. Yes. Yeah. Or like, would you ever watch a movie or read a book where someone wasn't in some way in pain, where suffering? there was no conflict. There's no yeah, conflict. There has to be There's some no kind of conflict. Tension. Yeah. You are engaging in a brand, right? That brand exists and was developed to answer or to respond to a certain amount of pain points, whether you recognize it or not. This is like psychology of sales. And, you know, for us, if the mess is in the message, what we do is, and we, we share ups and downs in our businesses all the time. But what we really want to be attracting is people who feel like they have a mess of some sort, whether maybe it's just the cleanest version of the mess is there's a house to sell and it needs some help. And so we are solution providers and we're going to help with the mess. But a lot of times our deeper, more compelling parts of our business is that we're responding to other larger messes, which is how people are engaging with a vendor. Like that one client we had a couple weeks ago who was just like, I reached out to 15 home stagers in Portland and only half of them even got back to me. And most of those were in a couple of days. And really what I was looking for was a quote. And our particular business and our business model and our more innovative things right now is that you get an instant price from us on our website. That is solving a mess for them. And our message is innovation and our message is client services and our message is reliability and our message is trust. But the mess is sometimes the difficulty and challenge of trying to sell a freaking house, right? Well, and that instant pricing, that 90 second callback with a number, which is what you get, it's an email that comes to you in 90 seconds and it tells you a number of this is what it's gonna cost to save your house, comes from 11 years of people calling us and saying, can I have a ballpark? And us saying, no. 
we have to come see your house. Yeah. It was from 11 years of saying no to people and having to be frustrated because they just want a ballpark. I just want to know how much, how much, how much, how much, how much, 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 much. And it took us, I think, four months to develop that system as yeah. to how we could actually get them a number in 90 seconds. Then we turn around and here we are. We end up working with this client that used us because specifically after going to, I mean, and this is an extreme case, reaching out to 15 different yes. vendors. He needed something very specific. But I'm sure that there are people who do that, who reach out to 15 different vendors. A lot of times showing up is like half the battle. Yeah. Did you did you get there first? Okay, well, you were there first. So at that point, they're just exhausted. They're like, this person actually called me back. Us being responsive is exactly part of our brand. You know, he heard from us first because we are that responsive. And I would imagine, I mean, he was so happy. I mean, his whole story, talk about the best case. He would definitely agree that the response that he saw from us and what led him to hire us, he saw that level of communication through the entire process all the way through the end, even to now. And so he knew when he called us, sent us a text, sent us an email that he was going to hear from somebody. We got Cole, the finance guy. We have you at the top. We have Jesse, the director of the office. And we had me working on him with, with some things. And he had a level of, res of response from us that is a huge part of our brand from the jump. And I think that us getting to him first and getting him what he needed showed that we are dedicated to that level of service. And that was the kind of vendor he wanted to hire. There's something that our company does that almost no other company in the world does. And it's the auto response, the I'm on vacation auto response. Nobody in our company uses the auto response that says, I'm on vacation. I wish you the best of luck with your problem. Feel free to go fuck yourself. If you want to, you can call the main line and try to find somebody to help you, which is basically kind of what that email says, right? It doesn't say go fuck yourself, but you know, it's like basically like I'm on vacation. Good luck to you. We don't use those auto responses. In our company, when somebody goes out of the office, your email and your phone is forwarded to a colleague so that when somebody picks up the phone and calls you, somebody else answers the phone. Like somebody, let's say Cole's out of the office for the day. When Cole's out of the office, his calls get forwarded to me. And so I pick up the phone and I say, hey, can I help you? And then I guess Cole there. And I was like, oh, Cole's out on vacation. How can I help you with something? Like, oh, I need an invoice to be sent to me. I'm like, great, no problem. I'll take care of that for you. So that's just part of that instant responsiveness that we don't ever turn somebody away with a, sorry, I'm, I don't really care about you. I'm on doing something more important, which to me, I think is one of those things that like, just just doesn't seem right. We've often looked into the idea of having one of those auto answers. That's like, you know, if you'd like to speak to Portland, press here. If you want to talk to Seattle, press here. You just have a live person answer the phone. Like right. somebody who's live answers the phone. If they're on the phone, it goes to voicemail. We return the phone call within a couple of minutes. Right. But you know, I, it's just one of those things that like, there's so many things that are in business these days that are just so automatic that just seem not service friendly. And that is a huge part of our brand and a huge part of what we've seen from successful real estate agents overall. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to, I think it's probably one of the biggest mistakes we see. People don't realize that vulnerability in their brand is so powerful. They assume that a brand without any imperfections is going to be the strongest. And in fact, I, that's not the case. Listening to this podcast, I, I do a little pre-interview beforehand. I talked to him on the phone yesterday and he told me this great story about a friend who chose not to use them for whatever reason it was. And I was really afraid that he wasn't going to tell it during the podcast because a lot of times people start thinking about it and they're like, oh, my friend's going to listen to this and then they're going to hear it and they're going to be mad at me and you know, it's going to ruin my relationship all over again. And now they're never going to use me. Having that little bit of vulnerability to be like, you know, this is something that went wrong for me. It can be okay. Okay, that's 
all right to have that bit of vulnerability. You know, there's this really tough line with the way that social media is today. You know, we we all want to be authentic. We all want to show our true selves. But like, I'm a 46 year old man with a hairy back and a slight gut. And I recently adopted wearing Speedos to the beach. Like, you know, that's something that's happened for me. <laughs> Just because that is who I am authentically doesn't yeah. mean I'm going to post pictures of that on my social media. Sure. But it also doesn't mean that I'm going to post my headshot from 1998 or my senior portrait as my headshot so you get to know me as this 22 year old with you know by the way at that point fantastic hair um you know this just huge head of hair and this squat square jawline and no wrinkles because that also is not really who i am so there comes a point where it's like be authentic be vulnerable to a point but don't be so vulnerable to the point where like people you know just get sick of it like i've got somebody that i follow on facebook and they've got a lot of health problems and I don't want to see the giant gash on your knee on Facebook. I don't want to see your dying grandmother in the hospital moments before she passes. There's a point where it's like, okay, enough kiddos. Let's not air our dirty laundry. Let's be vulnerable, authentic, but let's not air our dirty laundry. And that's a hard balance. I think it's difficult to generate trust without relatability and you can't generate relatability without vulnerability. Fascinating stuff. I think it's a lesson to us. We can even, we can even put some of those things where things didn't go right and then what the solution was to that problem. Totally. So, I think we can do that yeah. more all the time. I yeah, love it's a it. great reminder. Yeah. Our guest today was Gabriel Cruz Perez with Keller Williams, the Perez team. Just a fantastic guy. We appreciate him being here today. My co-host is Kelly Ann Hanahan. She's the best marketing person in the world. <laughs> if you ever want to just give us a call and be like, hey, I want to talk to Kelly for an hour about my brand, we would so love to offer that to you. If you're a real estate agent out there and you just want to talk about branding, we would love that. My name is Justin Bearden. Our music is written and composed and performed by Joff Metz. You can find the five star good guitars.com. It's been a great episode, Kelly. Thanks so much totally. for being here. Totally. Episode 14 on the books. You can find us at spade-archer.com. Thank you so much to all the fine folks who've reached out and told us their story behind their yard sign. If you've got a story that you want to tell, reach out to us. Again, the website is spade-archer.com. Click on the podcast link. Bye, Justin. Thank you. This production of Behind the Yard Sign is brought to you live from the Spade & Archer Studios. Spade & Archer Design Agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager. Thank you.